Well, hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Moraine's white mare dashed and cut at the slightest touch of the Aes Sedai's hand on the reins. Her face was as hard as Lan's as her staff flashed out. Flame enveloped Trollocs, then burst with a roar that left misshapen forms unmoving on the ground. Nynaeve and Egwene rode close to the Aes Sedai with frantic urgency, teeth bared almost as fiercely as the Trollocs, belt knife in hand. Ran Chapter 18, The Eye of the World. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. And I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. We are so glad you are here to join us as we continue to reread Eye of the World. And today we have chapters 15 through 18 to cover. I'm excited. It was hard to I'm hold excited. back on your quote. <laughs> That's a good one, right? It's a good one. <laughs> there's so there's so much that like accelerates in these chapters and that's one of those moments where it's like there's so many of them do you like my sound effects i don't think anyone else could make that sound. yeah no you're good at it too <laughs> of course you are of course you are okay yeah the format remains the same as our previous episodes spoiler free for the first half and after the break it's all the spoilers we were able to wring out of these chapters i also wanted to do a quick plug for a Threadless Shop. If you haven't gone to see it yet, you really should. There's a lot of cool stuff on there, and I have been happy with all my purchases that I've done. And I did quite a few, and it was really fun, but also so hard to choose. The shipping was way faster than I expected. Yeah, and that really surprised me. I was shocked. I want to say it was less than a week, and I had... These Your packages. first order, I think, was. Yeah. yeah, I think it was the the travel mug, the stickers. There's something else, I think. Was I don't Arthur's remember. shirt? I think Arthur's shirt came in the day that Andrew's sweatshirt came in. Mm. And I think that one came in with the bag. See, I bought just a few things. <laughs> but I love them. I love them. And then the coffee mug that I ordered, it was just like one of the standard coffee mugs and I got the white tower design on it and I just I just it's, love it. It's really pretty. I use it every day and I'm going to be ordering more of these mugs. And when I announced that earlier, my husband said, "I heard that." <laughs> He loves me. Um, but the thing that I really was surprised by was how they had this coffee mug packaged. Like, it was really safely packaged in this nice little compact box. And I was like, this is great. I love this. Like, everything about it was really easy and way faster than I was expecting. So we go threadless. I'm really glad that we've, like, chosen to work with them. Yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with all of the quality of everything that I've seen so far too. Mm-hmm. That travel mug mm-hmm. is wow, that thing is nice. Yeah, it's like That's double really nice. It's double lined, so it like will keep your stuff hotter longer. I do I do find it's a great travel mug, but I'm one of those people that likes to make sure that everything is leak proof and this is 
mostly leak proof but i would not feel 100 percent safe like just like flipping it, it upside down yeah like i tried <laughs> doing that and then of course i hadn't screwed on the cap tight enough and so it did actually like leak everywhere but that was on me that wasn't on the mug i'm just <laughs> so don't spill it on purpose and you'll be yeah, fine <laughs> yeah yeah don't be dumb like me uh but it's so pretty it's so pretty like it's shiny and beautiful i will post pictures because i just I think everything is so great that came in. The designs look fantastic. Amber, mwah. Yay. Thank y- you. You are an artist. It's been really fun. Oh, I just love it. I love it. I love every new design that you have coming out. And I've seen some of the ones that you have on Drive. And I'm looking forward to like mm-hmm. seeing what you're going to put on next. Anyway, there are always specials. Um, happening on threadless it seems like i don't know if this will still be going on but it might be there's a 15 percent off sale on everything in our shop so i feel like that is extra bonus um but yeah i just wanted to don't miss out they're so our, our fun. regular our regularly scheduled promo <laughs> i gotta do it i gotta do it i i just have to i feel i feel like if people love wheel of time the way that I'm pretty sure all of us. Yeah. And like everyone who listens to our podcast, like you don't listen to two silly girls ramble. For almost two hours about a book unless you really love it. Yeah. Or maybe they like us. (laughs) You're like, yeah, that that Wheel of Time book. Those are okay. (laughs) But when Tracy and Amber talk about it, (laughs) that's what happens. Anyway, I just I don't want anybody to miss out on having like fun Wheel of Time merch because I know I I love it. So yeah. Yeah. And too, I mean, if like, honestly, if you are not feeling like shelling out 15 to 20 bucks for something, there's really cute stickers and mm-hmm. pins and little things, too. I think and- the notebooks are like twelve dollars, which I think is great because they're like bound and lined and they look mm-hmm. really nice. Like I'm definitely ordering some of the notebooks. I am a notebook fiend which probably wouldn't surprise anyone who knows me (laughs) tracy compulsive note taker liking notebooks i know right the person i mean literally there are always like little pieces of paper all over my desk with like crazy notes and stuff but i just i think everything so far has been really fun i have to get something with the wolf brother pattern on it we were gonna stop talking about how awesome our shop is i'm done i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm just really excited about it Oh, let's get back. Let's get back okay. to what we're going to do. Okay. So before we get into the recap, um, next week we are going back to our Westlands 101. Woo-hoo! And it will just be, I think, one a month. Mm-hmm. I think that's roundabout. what we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, these are one of our favorite things to make. And so if fun. you want to see more or have suggestions on what you would like to see, mm-hmm. I mean, let us know. Please. Uh, Next week's episode will be focused on non-human creatures of the Wheel of Time universe. And we've got our research to do and we're looking forward to whatever new things we are able to uncover and share. But with that said, I think we're ready for the recap, reread, whatever we're calling this. Whatever it is we're doing. (laughs) Whatever it is that we're doing. We're reading and rambling. I believe that's what's happening. But almost cohesively. I mean, we have an outline. (laughs) It helps. It's what I have to I have to have my outline. So we're starting with chapter 15, Strangers and Friends. We ended the last chapter with Rand falling back asleep after his crazy Baalzaman dream. And we start this chapter as Rand wakes up, head aching, and a little pissed at himself that he had slept 
in so late. He tries to push away the nightmare and prepares to head out. There is a city to explore. Welcome to Berlan. Welcome to Berlan. So Rand goes ahead and he straps on his sword as he's leaving, telling himself it has nothing to do with the fact that he has daydreamed about walking through a city wearing a sword. And I think this is funny because this is how I feel every time I carry like a briefcase or a business bag. Like part of me feels like on top of the world, I can do anything. And the other part mm-hmm. of me feels like a little kid wearing my mom's heels and <laughs> carrying her purse around. Playing like, dress up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like this doesn't belong to me, but man, I really want it to. So Doesn't he take a sword also because he noticed that Lan's sword was gone? Yeah. And he was kind of like, well, if Lan's Well, if the trained the warder took his sword, yeah. it would be like saying, well, I... if Lan took his arm along, I guess I'll take <laughs> mine too. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Rand. But I get it. I get it. That's what I would Mm -hmm. want to do, too, you know? So he heads to the kitchen to grab something to eat before heading out and finds the cook and the innkeeper having a heated discussion about her cat and the rats in the inn. And they are all dead and all with their backs broken. And... I know, I know for other people, this probably doesn't matter as much, but one of the things that I really appreciate about this moment is the description of the bustling kitchen. Yeah. Like everything happening behind with serving maids and scullions, pot boys and spit boys all attending to their tasks. Like, that would I, be the worst job ever. Oh spit my boy. God. No thanks. So, true, true historical fact majority of spit boys or anybody who was the person who would stand and turn the spits to roast meat and whatnot they were given unlimited beer to drink because it was such a hot and thirsty they probably job. sweat the whole time and oh, lost yeah. like half of their body moisture right? body moisture <laughs> i don't know here have <laughs> my body moisture please <laughs> that's interesting um <laughs> I love I love silly morning talk slash late afternoon talk for you. So anyway, I just I love I love that attention to detail that Jordan gives that we've talked about this. I'll probably always be talking about this. I love a a good scene. Mm -hmm. And I'm also obsessed with documentaries that talk about how kitchens worked. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) I'm such a nerd. But as Rand is hearing this, he is understandably upset because of course in his dream Bosman had broken the back of a rat so this is highly unsettling for him and he's mm-hmm. like I need I need 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 to get out of here and find someone to talk to and Tom is in the common room Rand sees him as he's heading in there he's a one man show holding everyone in the common room captivated by his time I was the great laughing of the so hole. hard I was laughing so hard at the description of Tom standing on the table like pantomiming riding like, a horse r- riding is all I can think of is Monty Python and like a coconut <laughs> clacking like that's every time every time but yeah me too that always makes me kind of giggle sorry I'm like having that image in my brain at the moment it's just hilarious his mustache bouncing right flowing in the imagined breeze that he's somehow creating for himself get it tom so rand decides to skip through because you know at this point how many times has he heard this story and he heads upstairs because the kitchen the cook in the kitchen the kitchen person i have words (laughs) damn (laughs) Okay, um, 
She had, I mean, it's better than body moisture or whatever the hell I, I was trying to I say. Don't, I don't know if it is. <laughs> uh, so the, the cook had mentioned that one of their party had stayed behind. And so Rand, yeah, Rand goes upstairs and he finds Perrin. And he finds out that, did I skip something? No. Um, oh, yeah. Do we ever, like in this early section get an explanation about the importance of the hunt for the horn and the horn of valier um we get mention of it by tom but he is just telling them like his gleeman stories um i wrote it it was in one of these chapters okay that we read this week if you want to keep going, I'll look because I'm pretty sure, sure, sure I wrote it down. Thank you. Yeah, it's in this, it's in this chapter. Okay. When he's uh, doing his uh, fake horse. Horsey. <laughs> riding. He's actually telling the hunt, a hunt of the horn story. Yeah. And it seems like this is like, this gets highlighted frequently in these chapters too when Tom's telling stories it seems to always be focused on the the horn of Valir but it doesn't seem to bother anybody they seem to like this is a favorite of everyone's they yeah, love these because stories there's, yeah because there's so many stories that I think they said like it would take a week just to or something like just to yes. tell them all so yes yep and that's what I was like oh wow I guess it would be easy to not be bored if you had that many stories to listen to. But it's um, it, it probably wasn't a week. I just pulled that no, time no, no. frame no, you're out of nowhere. <laughs> I believe you're right because I remember rereading it a couple of times trying to figure out if they meant like it would take a week if he did 30 minutes every evening or it would take mm-hmm. a week if he started at like 9 a.m. on Monday and ended at 9 p.m. on Sunday. This, these are the things that I ask that are really important to know about series like this, right? Right? No. Nice. Anyway, so Perrin has stayed in. <laughs> Collect your thoughts. Perrin has stayed in. And this moment kind of, I don't know, the way that Perrin is behaving, he's kind of like Eeyore-ish, if you yeah. know what I mean. Like he's got that his, is That's just Perrin to a T, though. It totally like, is. Like he's got his arm over his his eyes and he's like if I ever talk about leaving the tours again just stop me and Rand's like okay well there's a city to explore so I'm uh I'm gonna leave you I'm out of here yeah you sure you don't want to go okay cool I'm heading out and I mean of course it's not a light-hearted thing for Rand to be leaving to find out that both of his friends that he's traveling with had the same horrible nightmare that he had but mm-hmm. he does get kind of over that and goes down to leave the inn and begin exploring, but the overwhelming number of people streaming past the open gates of the stable yard like completely throws him off. Mm-hmm. And the book, it says, people pack the street like sheep in a pen. People swathed to the eyes in cloaks and coats, hats pulled down against the cold, weaving in and out at a quick step as though the wind whistling over the rooftops blew them along, elbowing past one another with barely a word or a glance. And I like this because it gives us a right reminder first. This is not this is not a joy ride. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like even though they're on the road and they're doing these things and he's in a city, it's not necessarily the experience that he had expected. And this gives it kind of this uncomfortable vibe to him and it 
throws him back and he just like he realizes that everyone is just trying to get to where they're going and they're not interacting and this is not his well, way yeah, of I life. Think that it's, I think it's hitting him for the first time that there can be so many people living in a city together where they're strangers. Yeah. And that kind of shakes him up a bit because, of course, everyone in the Two Rivers knows everyone. Of course they do. Yeah. But in some ways, it would be like if you pulled all of the, like if you pulled Taryn Ferry and Devin Ride and the uh, Emmons Field and all put them smudged together, they wouldn't know each other. Like that's kind yeah. of what is happening here because he also realizes that so many people look alike. That he's seeing people who he's like, well, that easily could have been Billy Conger's cousin or whoever it is. But that happens later. So this throws Rand back. He decides that since his head is still hurting, hurting, he chooses just to find a barrel to sit on at the back of the inn, hoping the cool air will help him feel better. And then a shepherd with a heron mark blade. Nope. A Heronmark sword said a low woman's voice. That's almost enough to make me believe anything. What trouble are you in, down country boy? And this is our entrance for men. Like, at least in her introduction for Rand. Uh, she mm -hmm. reveals that she knows who and what Moraine is and also tells Rand what her special secret skill is. Uh, she can see pieces of the pattern around certain people. Rand and his friends have images swirling around them. And when they are together... When you're all in a group, sparks swirling around you, thousands of them in a big shadow darker than midnight. It's so strong, I almost wonder why everybody can't see it. I love this. I love mm -hmm. this. There's so much about it that, like, encapsulates. Is that, like, a word? Is that a real word? Mm -hmm. Encapsulates mm -hmm. what our story is going to be in so many ways. Like, this is the light versus dark, and when they're together there's all these sparks like it feels like it should start a fire around them and i love that and so i like how she says that it's swirling it reminds me kind of of like if someone pulled the lever on like a slot machine yeah and all the images kind of just are like <laughs> just like squirrel <laughs> squirrel yeah just going mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of how i see it I, I it's kind of silly but i don't know i like it i like it it's i always think of like almost fireworks that like kind of swirl almost ribbon like and like shoot off into the darkness and making like swirly motions with my fingers that's what mm. I think of when I see it or read it and that's one of the things that's so fun it's like everybody has like a different yeah mental image of what's going on I love that Min continues to throw poor Rand off balance by telling him that he and Aguin are not meant for each other not the way they want right now so Rand is perturbed. They don't even like each other right now. Yeah, so they're mad at each cares? other. They're not even yeah. talking to each other. <laughs> I'm sorry, Egwene. And I mean, really, come mm -hmm. on, guys. You're 18 and 16. Don't make, mm -hmm. don't make these lifelong choices at 18 and 16. I'm sure people have. I know people have. And sometimes it works out. But in my personal opinion, it's just far too... Gosh, I get excited and I hit my poor mic. <laughs> I'm sorry, microphone. Anyway, so... Brand, perturbed, past caring, stumbles out into the stream of people who carry him along as he stares at the city. His head felt like a balloon. Amber. Are there yes. balloons in the Wheel of Time? Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to discuss it. But I was like, wait, what? I just, no, I've never like, thought about I, that before. I feel like 
this is it's just one of those things that will remain unanswered i guess like do they have helium i don't know do they have hot air ride hot air balloon rides somewhere at one point and now they just know what a balloon is because it happened a long time ago i don't know yeah i can't tell you Ooh, i like your speculations but, though well they had spaceships right so so maybe, maybe they, they had balloons yeah, okay. I don't know. Yeah. And I like uh, that. maybe, you know, like uh I guess they would have had at one time like heated heated water bottles. Mm-hmm. You would make those out of mm-hmm. like organs. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right? Like how I would you so, yeah. like a like a wine skin or something would be a oh, balloon. Like yeah. anything of that nature that carries oh, air. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad okay. I asked. <laughs> I'm try- I'm just trying to like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I maybe, I don't know. No, no, I, f- I feel like you have a valid point. I like it. Because I mean, it's not just balloons that are thought of as balloons. It's like, it can be like applied. Like a shape? Yeah, like it can be applied to other things. Like a bladder just isn't necessarily an organ in your body. It can also be like a bladder of water. Like yeah. words can be used in different ways. Or we'll maybe, you know, they use a lot of whoopee cushions in this <laughs> place. I don't know. It's part of that's upcoming trickster line. <laughs> I, know, I was going to say. <laughs> oh, I love that. So we're now past the balloon point and he's wandering around and he sees all the sellers with their stalls filled and thinks it was as if a hundred peddlers wagons had spilled out their contents. And I, again, great great imagery really pleasant to kind of think about and this is where we start seeing that people look alike and i wrote down doppelgangers everywhere and Mm -hmm. i think this is actually a real thing like we've lived in different places and like visited it's yes this happens to you too yeah like we're like oh that person is so this person and Mm -hmm. this person is so that person and i love that he has this moment where he's just like, they could just, they could all be from the two rivers. Like people are people. Mm-hmm. And this is a, like a mind explosion realization for people him. People are people. <laughs> you have an excellent point. But one of the, one of the people is Pot and Fane and he is acting like a crazy man. And Rand is able to corner him and finds out that he was able to get away and Fane goes back. This guy and, just he's... reminds me of like a habitual, like he 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 he's like a junkie or something. Yeah, he acts like he's so um like regal and pulled together, but then he's like this like crabby, scared. Yeah, skittering. yeah, like yes, skittering. That's the right word. That's he what it feels like. like. Yeah, because at one point when he shows up, yeah, you you said it. He was kind of regal, like, oh, I'm almost like a gleeman. Exactly. And when Rand sees him now, he's just like gollum, like yes. creeping around, acting real paranoid. Totally. Like, okay. Yeah. And like goes back and forth between like having almost that regal air about him again to like breaking down and kind of weeping because his wagon was burned down and he didn't have his horses. So it's just like this emotional roller coaster with Fane. And of course, Rand is like, well, you can come back with us to the inn that I'm staying in. And it's like, damn it, Rand. Rand, why are you? He's really kind. 
but at this point, he's really stupid, too. But I guess, I mean, he thinks of Fane as someone that has come into their village since he was Mm -hmm. very small. And he has no reason to think that Fane would mean him harm. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And, too, he's probably still kind of feeling a little bit emotional because everyone thought he was eaten. Yeah, exactly. That he was in a trollic cook pot of all things, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's not exactly a pleasant image. So to find out the person who you feared had been in that situation is alive. I imagine Rand was really happy in some ways. So but he didn't think to be like, how are you alive? How did you get here? Exactly. He was just like, he ran the whole way. (laughs) (laughs) Like (laughs) the same bolt. He just cruised yeah. all the way to Fairland, swam to the Terran. I was going to say, like he had so Michael much Phelps. momentum. He didn't even need to stop. He just ran straight across it, like Roadrunner style. <laughs> That's really why his clothes are so tattered. He was just running so fast. <laughs> his shoes caught fire. Yes. So many questions that I have had have just been answered. Yeah, that's why he's acting all like cracked out as well. He's just get this guy some carbs, man. He (laughs) has been running. He needs to carbo. What is it? Carbo load. Yeah. He needs to do that. But of course, Fane dashes off past Rand and Rand tries to follow him. (laughs) He's so fast. He's so fast and tiny, apparently. Like, he just, like, whoosh. (laughs) Mimi. I'm sorry. That's perfect. But then Rand bumps directly into Matt. And, like, Matt is all like, geez, can't wait. Can't you watch where you're going? And, like. That's just a bit surly in this moment, isn't he? Like, he's just like Mr. Grumpy Pants. Why is he so grumpy? I don't understand. Because all of them are having crazy dreams, no matter how much Matt wants to pretend like he's not. Matt is not good with this. Huh? That's valid. That's valid. What were you going to say? Well, Rand and Perrin can kind of talk to each other about it, but Matt's like, too proud and he's kind he kind of seems like one of those guys that's like i'm not gonna talk about my emotions yes. i'm a strong man yes 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 mm-hmm. that's how i see matt too like mm-hmm. you have so much to learn young man yeah yeah like i i i admit it, i don't like early early matt um <laughs> He, he, you know what? Like he has his really funny moments where mm-hmm. you're like, "Oh, he's such a lovable prankster," but then the moraine in me is like, "I will burn you myself before right. giving you to the dark one." Right. So watch where you step because if you screw this up, it's and what he be does, bad for what you. he does next is a perfect example of yes. why moraine should just wrap him in air and. Yes. Tie him to his horse (laughs) and force feed him so he can't do anything stupid. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. the next thing that happens is a group of white cloaks show up. Children of the light. I should maybe I shouldn't call them white cloaks. I don't know. I don't really like them, so 
I don't white feel, cloaks it is white cloaks it is i agree and there are words like shining and pristine used to describe them like they're in all white and they have those like conical helmets that have the airbag inside the top yes. talked about that it's my favorite <laughs> theories <laughs> a little extra padding and they're they're walking through town and the book says their hands rested on their sword hilts and they looked around them as if looking at things that had wriggled out from under a rotting log and i love that mm -hmm. i'm gonna say that a lot apparently these are things i love so like a bunch of worms yeah, like or grubs. You, exactly. <laughs> like less than human. It's just a mm -hmm. really I don't know, the white cloaks really suck. They really suck. They're the worst. They're the worst. We have a really good 101 on the white cloaks. I enjoyed it. Tim was delightful. Okay, so Rand is having this odd reaction to the situation and he knows he should be like scared, but instead he's like just kind of amused he's acting morning. like he's high he is Rand he is. is stoned af <laughs> <laughs> for real though i mean really he acts like a total fool and matt gets the look in his eye that says trouble is just moments away and i mean here how does he manage to get through that shop up to the attic window you don't have to answer that, but I'm just like, Matt, what do you Can you do? imagine people shopping and he's just like, I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to go upstairs. Like, I, I got an idea. Don't mind yeah. me and my slingshot. <laughs> how, did, how did he do that? How did he? It's Matt magic. So his plan is to knock out a peg on a cart that is holding a stack of barrels with the intention of the barrels either, I'm guessing, running into the white cloaks or at least splashing them with all of the mud that is all over this particular street. And Matt is, of course, successful because apparently every boy in the two rivers knows how to use a slingshot like an expert. And as hoped for, the barrels come out, splatter the white cloaks with mud, and... Everyone else dashes out of the way, but Rand laughs. And I kind of don't blame him because this feels a little bit like White Cloak's bowling time. Like, yeah. can you imagine how much more fun it would have been if it would have, like, hit them in the center and they went kind of, like, with the bowling sound effect? That's what I have playing <laughs> in my head. <laughs> and I think, too, considering how sheltered these kids are, they probably really have no idea what the white cloaks are about yeah so they think that they're just gonna be having some fun and doing some pranks but yeah. not really realizing that these are these this is a group of people that torture others yes and they kind of seem to enjoy it yep <laughs> so yeah and what they say goes in their opinion and they're traveling with an ice die like matt has basically just opened a path for danger in a different direction so now you have all of the dark ones forces coming at them and now he's pissed off the white cloaks too so hooray mm -hmm. after rand laughs at them the three white cloaks approach him and are like what's so funny you know like and he's like you brown cloak it's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what happened <laughs> <laughs> at least attitude wise but then one of the the other white cloaks points out that rand is wearing a hair and mark blade 
Lord Bornhold. We will learn much more about him as the series goes along, I believe. I don't know if that's a spoiler or not. Is that a spoiler? Screw you, Dane Bornhold. No, I don't think so. Okay. He's not he's not one of the people I like. So, yeah, the white cloaks are here to stay. We will be getting a lot more of them. So and I'm if you sorry, love them, everyone. yay. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, you're Aww. on you're on my team. <laughs> anyway, so the white cloaks disperse when the city watch shows up and Tom then shows up parading down the street as he does and letting everyone know that they can find him at the Stag and Lion tonight only. Rand and Matt grab his attention and Sunday, tell them, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> Stag and Lion. One night only. <laughs> One man. <laughs> One table. <laughs> <laughs> One story. No, one horn. <laughs> we got it. We got it. That's the trailer. You're welcome, Tom. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, Rand and Matt grab Tom's attention. They tell him about the dream. Tom is understandably freaked out and tells them to keep their mouth shut. And hopefully Perrin has kept his mouth shut too, but they can't guarantee that because Perrin's back at the inn. So they go rushing back to the inn. And just as they're walking in, Perrin is rushing out and they're like, hey, don't, did you tell anyone about the dream? And he's like, no, and blah, blah, blah. And they start talking. And then Perrin's like, oh, right. Nynaeve's here. (laughs) That was my job. Yeah, exactly. And they're all like, oh, oh, fuck. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Shit. Crap. And to make everything even better, Moraine and Nynaeve are waiting for them in one of the private dining rooms. And I love. This is worse. This is like, this is like. All of their worst fears. <laughs> right? Exactly. And this is I, this is why I love how the chapter wraps up, because it says, they exchanged glances, drew deep breaths, and marched inside as if to face Trollocs. Mm-hmm. And I just think about, like, these both, like, Moraine is this very slight, doll-like woman, very composed and Moraine-like, and Nynaeve is... And she's like a battering ram. Like- yeah. There, she is the she is the embodiment of her thumping stick. <laughs> <laughs> Truth, that's mm-hmm. so true. So yeah, so these poor poor guys head into battle, and then we are going to continue onward with chapter sixteen, which is aptly named the Wisdom. <laughs> and so the Emmonsfield and the Emmonsfield boys and Tom kind of make their way to the private dining room. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're all pretty weary that Nynaeve is here in Fairlawn. Yep. And Min kind of stops Rand when uh, Tom interferes and she's kind of like giving him some guff, like, go juggle some balls, old man. Like, I'm talking. And <laughs> I'm she g- speaking, Glee Man. Yes. I am speaking. Sorry, mm-hmm. okay, I'm done. And Min kind of gives Rand an update on her new viewing now that Nynaeve has arrived and implies that Nynaeve is a big part in things to come and they're all in serious danger. Mm -hmm. And I will go back into this viewing later because spoilers. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they all go to the dining room where Nynaeve and Moraine are having a staring contest (laughs) while Lan stares at the fire and Egwene is hiding from Nynaeve like a little girl. 
Lance serves Nynaeve some wine and I'm like, excuse me, are you flirting? But then Nynaeve is like, excuse me, are you poisoning me? And Lan is like, how did you get here? And Nynaeve is like, I tracked you. Duh, deal with it. And Lan is like, that's impressive. Nynaeve blushes. So she buries her face in her cup of wine, which mm-hmm. makes me wonder how large are these cups of wine? <laughs> She's like, or how small is her face? <laughs> there you go. Either one. I'm just like, I don't know if I own a cup that I could bury my face in, but whatever. It's a cute image. I like the way that it, it like plays out. Me too. Yeah, I like it. So Nynaeve is really dead set on getting the boys home. And I realized as I wrote this, I legitimately wrote the boys home. But for some reason, I excluded Equaine. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go back through the notes to see if that was my mistake, because I could maybe just be projecting like <laughs> if it were me, like, all right, boys, you're coming home. But Nynaeve or Egwene, like no one even asked about you, so you can stay. Um, <laughs> so Nynaeve kind of gets put in her place a little bit when it's, it's when it's explained that this whole situation with Moraine is a little bit, and the boys is a little bit more complex than she really exactly kind of understands. She mm-hmm. thinks she's just going to show up and kind of browbeat everyone into yep. coming home, but. Obviously, that is not the case. Mm-hmm. And it's explained what will happen to the group if people find out that Moraine is an Aes Sedai mm-hmm. because the White Cloaks have eyes all over the city. And just for being an, like, an associated person tra- like traveling with an Aes Sedai, mm-hmm. they will torture you for fun. For fun. There, no questions. Mm-hmm. So, They're not good people. They're not. Yeah. No. So Moraine explains that she has extended her protection to the entire group. Mm-hmm. And if they stay together, she will keep them safer than what they would be in the two rivers. Mm-hmm. So after this chat, <laughs> Nynaeve comes to that's Rand. Just, I'm sorry. That's just such a delicate way of putting it. After this <laughs> chat. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what else to call it because they kind of just want to I feel like they would kill each other, but I Nynaeve is doing pretty well at this point. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like she would have Moraine up against the wall choking her out, but <laughs> it doesn't happen. So they're on really good, you know, behavior right now. They just seem kind of focused on one upping each other. Mm-hmm. At least that's how it feels like microaggression. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Like just little mm-hmm. things. And I think it shows up again later on in a couple of other places in the chapters, too. It does. But yeah, I just chat is is diplomatic. I like it. Mm-hmm. Good choice. So <laughs> Rand kind of makes this plea to Nynaeve asking if she will travel with them. Mm-hmm. And we learn that there's a wisdom from another village covering for Nynaeve mm-hmm. while she's away. And Rand is curious why Nynaeve came and not, you know, the mayor mm-hmm. or a man. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> apparently the Two Rivers is in shambles. And we learned that after the group left Emmonsfield, half of the city wanted a man sent as a chaperone to mm-hmm. kind of like keep an eye on the evil Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. And then the other half of the city wanted everyone brought back safely. Mm-hmm. And at this point... <laughs> the women's circle was having it out with the 
town council. Mm-hmm. Is that right? The, I think, oh, the village council. The village council. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And so they're kind of just going around and around in a circle. And Nynaeve was like, screw this. You're going to be arguing for days. So she just I'm kind of left. Now. Yeah. Yeah. That's so and, her. I'm not asking for your permission. Mm-hmm. I, I know what needs to be done. I'm going off and I'm doing it. Like, yes. Super Nynaeve. Super Nynaeve. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> they can be both. They can be both. Yeah. But there seems to be some confusion amongst the group on what attracted the Trollocs in the first place mm-hmm. to the two rivers. Yeah. Because Morin wants Nynaeve to tell her which one of the boys wasn't born mm-hmm. within the city yeah. of the two rivers. Yeah. And Nynaeve, her like lips are locked. She is not giving anything away. Mm-hmm. And she tells Moraine nothing besides the fact that they were all born in the two rivers. And later Rand confides to her what Tam said during his fever dream. Mm-hmm. And Nynaeve says that, you know, when Tam was just a young man, he went away from his, or he, you know, he had his big adventure. He did. And he came home from this war with a outlander, red-haired wife yep. and a baby. Mm-hmm. And they kind of talk a little bit about Rand and Tam. And Nynaeve is like, you know, you're you were always your parents' son. Yep. And I really love this because as much of a, a kind of a crump that Nynaeve <laughs> can be, you know what I mean? She's not yes. she's not the most restrained person. And she's not very comes, tender. She's no she's more likely to be caustic than yeah. kind. <laughs> yeah. So But inside she's like this person who cares deeply. I feel like she cares so deeply that she can't, she doesn't feel like she can show it to people. And I think that's something that we like discover more about her as the series goes on. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that this is just, um, it's a really nice moment between Rand and Nynaeve and she's, I I just love her. She has like a heart of gold Mm -hmm. and, I think as tough as she tries to be and as angry as she gets, mm-hmm. I think it's all coming from a place inside of her where she feels like she was never enough mm-hmm. and she wants to just kind of like prove it all wrong. But she is, she has a huge heart mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I give her credit for that. I agree. And it actually does show up in our next chapter, which is chapter 17, Watchers and Hunters. Are we good to move on? Yes, I please. love it. We're almost at an hour. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm going to try to be fast. So if I start to go too fast, slow me down. <laughs> you don't have to like speed read. OK, I'll do I'll do my best. Sometimes it's hard for me. So Rand heads to the common room, joining Parent and Matt and Tom, standing on a table, of course, is doing the great hunt uh, for the horn again. But everyone is totally mesmerized, so it's fine. Thankfully, after story time, it's dancing time, and I love this. When the music begins, it says in the book, the three young men from Emmons Field began clapping their hands with the first note of the wind that shakes the willow. And it's just the boys hanging out, being boys, enjoying live music, and the idea of some singing and dancing like bear lawn are you ready to rock (laughs) (sighs) 
<laughs> Give it up for Tom the Glee Man. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. But I mean, they miss Beltine. You know, they really wanted to like. This is true. They haven't had their festival and they are all pent up. I missed out on dancing energy. So um, the thing that I found really kind of funny is that Tom chooses this absurdly sad song to sing. And I am such I'm such a bad reader because a lot of times when like these song sections show up, I just skip right through them because I'm like, I really don't care what the song is. I just want to know what's going to happen next. But I actually read this full one. This was another one of those moments where I felt very hobbity. Yeah. <laughs> Hobbit-y. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Like, I think tankards of ale and whatnot and, like, mm-hmm. wooden structures and a fiddle, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's very, it Tam, very much is Tam's that. violin. Or Tom's violin. <laughs> Tom's violin. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can get uh, Rob to make a sound file for us that says that, because it would sound much better in his accent than, yes. than it does in ours. But then... So this is funny to me because I think I think it's funny. Other people who like write a lot might think it's kind of funny. I'm just going to go with it. I feel like this is one of those points in the book where Robert Robert Jordan was like, this thing I wrote is just so good. I'm not going to cut it. I'm going to leave it in here. But I'm like, why? Like, why start with such a sad song when you know everybody is like, had a rough winter and life is hard? Why did you start with a song yeah, about this- someone dying? Like, this doesn't really this doesn't really ring true to how I feel Tom would act in this situation. Yeah, it Tom just off. went through yeah, Tom just went through this terrible ordeal with the rest of them and he's going to come to a town where <laughs> it's overcrowded, people yep. are starving mm-hmm. and being like I'm going to sing a so- sad song for everyone tonight. Like, yeah. No. No. And I mean, what's the tempo of that that the boys were clapping? Like, is this an upbeat dirge of some kind? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Awkward. I ask ask too many questions. But what I was thinking was like, Tom, read the room. (laughs) Yeah. But thankfully, he switches up the tempo and everyone begins to move all the tables and chairs out of the way so the dancing can begin. And I actually last night looked up reels and jigs and it was so it was actually really fun. But it's exactly what I thought it would be. Uh, I actually found some links and I'm going to put them in our show notes. I've already like opened a document. My favorite one was on these South African dancers. It was like joy embodied watching them dance and i loved it so this was a really fun little dig and if anybody's wondering this is exactly what i thought of when i think of this moment where everyone's dancing so he dances with nynaeve then moraine and lastly aguin and he does this all during the first dance and he sucks at it <laughs> like he's totally thrown off by Nynaeve and she's like I thought you were better at this rand and then the next person is Moraine and that goes badly and she gives him like a sympathetic smile and he feels even worse and then him and Gween have their awkward moment together because they're still not talking to each other because they are children so when the dancing ends and everyone starts heading up to bed Rand decides a cup of milk is what he needs before bedtime and of course he runs into a fade welcome to Baron <laughs> he opens the refrigerator <laughs> The, the drops the milk, the glass shatters. Well, I actually and now really the fade can't get to him because there's glass all over the ground. And Rand's like, "I'll show you." Are you gonna walk over broken glass to get to me? Come on, 
What you got, Fade? How bad do you want me? <laughs> Throws down a bottle of milk. There's my challenge. Okay. <laughs> Gotta stop. I really liked this moment because we get a really great description of what a murdral looks like. And I think this is kind of the first time. So I'm just going to read through it real quick. Uh, so... This is, of course, from Rand's point of view. As he came out of the kitchen, drinking, a shape in dull black started toward him down the length of the hall, raising pale hands to toss back the dark cowl that had hidden the face beneath. The gloak, the gloak, the (laughs) the cloak hung motionless as the figure moved and the face, a man's face, but pasty white like a slug under a rock and eyeless from oily black hair to puffy cheeks was as smooth as an eggshell. Rand choked spraying milk. That's the part that I like, actually. Besides the description of the murdral is that Rand, like, spit out milk. It's such For a- some reason, I never pictured them with hair. Me neither. Me neither. That was actually one of the reasons why I wanted to read it, was that it had altered my mm-hmm. the way that I looked at them, because I always think of them as, like, being a bald that- egg. Yeah, and not puffy cheeked either, Mm-mm. like sunken cheeks. It makes me, be. it makes me think of when like Darth Vader's mask gets taken off in Star Wars, and he's just <laughs> this puffy egg-like shaped head with like weird scars and shit on him. That's what I kind of always like altered into the shape of a Madral feature. That's just me. The Madral goes to attack Rand, and he stops right before his blade touches him and says, you belong to the great Lord of the Dark. And he fades away, literally. The shadows at the end of the hall reached out and embraced it, and it was gone. And I love that. It's just glorious, the mm-hmm. embracing of shadows. Lan arrives and announces they are leaving. Duh. Everyone lands like, in his boxers, like, <laughs> half naked, just his sword. But he has socks on, so he kind of, like, slides into the kitchen like Tom Cruise. We're leaving. He still has his Hidori on. He's got his, like, (laughs) ring hanging on a chain around his neck. Yes. I love this. This should be a coffee mug. All right. So they're leaving. Everyone gets out to the stable yard and hurriedly hurriedly climbs on their horses. Moraine tries to tell the innkeeper how dangerous the situation. I just can't talk. Moraine tries to tell the innkeeper how dangerous the situation is, but he jovially dismisses it. I love that word, jovially. Nynaeve determines she is going with them. Oh, okay, welcome along. Uh, it's relatable to me when Rand comments on how Egwene won't ter- turn back at this point because she's already announced to everyone that she is committed to doing something, and I relate to that hard. I have... I do the same thing. They reach the gate and convince the guard to let them out. Maureen uses her Isodai ways in more than one way to get them out. And as they are making their escape and heading down the Camelon Road, Matt looks back and flames lit the night over Berlon, tinting the undersides of the cloud with red. Sparks whipped into the sky on the wind. And there's like this little bit of an argument slash lesson um, about why Moraine cannot and will not go back to help, even though she knows that the fire is the stag and lion. That's where they just were. It's because mm-hmm. of them that it has burned down. And she's like, it would just put us in danger. Did we're, you leave out everything forward. with the white cloaks? I did. <laughs> yep. That was my favorite part of this whole chapter. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite parts too. I don't know how I skipped that. <laughs> I'm mildly ashamed of myself at the moment. Here, quick recap. So they're trying to get they're trying to get the heck out. 
and the white cloaks show up mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, we we recognize you boys. But then this the um, the people that are watching the gate are mm-hmm. like, they don't know who to, to listen to. Moraine, the white cloaks, mm-hmm. and then the city watch come up and there's arguments, you know, going on. And the white cloaks try and get a little... They're playing a little fast and loose, and yeah, Moraine's they, like, like pull their pull, put their hands on their swords and start burying their swords. And then Moraine is like, "You will dare attack me, White Cloak." Yeah, this is the part where Moraine does her. I don't know. It's like an Alice in Wonderland moment where she drinks the drink me <laughs> and grows, and she becomes like you a know? giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She I like grows. I like when Rand says that her eyes were as big as small moons in the sky or something like that and she mm-hmm. looked down at them like they were insects and i like how she's just like this is this is what's happening you're trying to attack me and that's just not going down right and so lan grab like in that moment of distraction lan grabs aldiebs the horse moraine's horses reins and is like go and i'm sure it didn't sound like that i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was much more masculine and gravelly than that, but that was the idea. And so they all like gallop through this fairly narrow opening that has been made in the gates for them as like the guards are standing there stupefied by Moraine Mm -hmm. suddenly being taller than the gate itself. Mm -hmm. And the end of this is her just like stepping over the gate and walking towards her horse. Even though we never get any confirmation on how she actually did that, because we know she didn't grow. Right. Yeah. Because that's one of the questions that I have on that particular part, too, is like, how did she walk over? I mean, I don't think you could have made it so that she just looked like she walked through it. But I would imagine however she made herself taller, she wasn't actually physically taller. Maybe she was, you know, behind like a projector and making like shadow puppets. (laughs) She was hiding in the shadows Mm -hmm. the whole time. And this was just her. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's not a bad idea. Interesting. Okay, I like that. I like that. Like she never even moved. Yeah. She just walked she just walked through the gate when everyone was was paying attention to her 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 shadow and she's like got her hands cupped like like this. Idiots. (laughs) Projecting her voice. She's like, it's a good thing I practice my uh My ventriloquism skills. <laughs> Looks like I'm up there yelling at people. This is great. Thank you for, for pointing that out. I cannot believe I skipped that. I feel so stupid. It's just one of the best parts in the early chapters of the series to see Moraine like pull out all the Dunking tricks. on some white clothes. Yeah. And some stupid white clothes. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and I mean, this really starts the whole Bornhold hates the two rivers thing fast yeah Yeah. i had i really hadn't realized it started so fucking early um anyway so at this point we'll back up to the end of the chapter if that's good yeah okay cool yeah um thank you again thank you so much so they get out of the city and after a while they like lay down for a short nap because they really can't rest for very long but they absolutely need to (laughs) and as matt's laying down he says i wonder what dav did with that badger and I was like, oh, Matt. <laughs> but then he says, I thought we were safe, you know? And I just feel so bad for him in that moment. Like, because mm-hmm. like you said earlier, he's not the kind of guy who's going to share how he feels about things. And he's mm-hmm. obviously upset. He's obviously worried. But he's almost lashing out instead of 
asking for yeah, help. Yeah, that's kind of how I yeah, that's kind of how I saw his whole tomfoolery with the wine casks. Mm-hmm. Is that he was like this if I, you know, he's he's like the class clown. Like yes. if I can just put on a show and make someone laugh for a couple minutes, mm-hmm. it'll be okay. Yeah, and consequences be damned. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. But as as we know, they're not safe. No, not safe. So chapter 18, the Mm -hmm. Camelin Road. We get a little bit of a description of the road they are traveling to Camelin. And (laughs) Rand thinks about its similarities and differences when comparing it to the two rivers. Mm -hmm. And the group stops to eat. Egwene complains a little bit about the food. Nynaeve is trying to give healing tips to more rain. (laughs) Just hilarious. And Lan tells Egwene that they can't have tea because the fire will draw too much attention. Mm -hmm. And their fastest path is staying on the road and they can be sure that the Trollocs and Fade are following them. Nynaeve will literally not stop talking Moraine's ear off about herbs. And (laughs) I'm living for it. I just love it. I can like that image of her just like... Mm-hmm. Riding next to Moraine, and Moraine just kind of patiently listening and tried to figure out just how to politely Moraine tell her like, to like just yeah, go fuck these, off, please. These damn children! I hate you all. I hate you <laughs> <Yeah>. all. <laughs> okay, <So>. sorry. <laughs> The group hears a horn in the distance, and they know that the Trollocs are on their way. Uh, The group is ready to ride hard, but then Lan heads off in another direction to kind of scout and see what he can see. And Moraine affectionately calls him the last lord of the Seven Towers. And more horns are fired, and then at this point, there are horns answering the other horns. From, like, in front of them, right? Like, there are horns behind, and there are horns in front of them. Yes. Yep. They're pretty much, it sounds kind of like they are surrounded. Very much. And the fades are being tricky here. They are mm-hmm. sounding the horns in one direction, kind of to trying to force the group forward. But Moraine sees through this whole game. She sure and does. And after, I don't, I don't know how long it was. Was it a, a couple hours? Before. I think it's a couple hours, Lan comes back mm. and reports that there are roughly 500 Trollocs Yikes. less than an hour away. I wasn't sure if he actually saw the Trollocs or if this was just he got close and then his warder spider senses were tingling <laughs> and he was like, was like I, I count can... roughly 500. <laughs> <laughs> or if he saw like five murdrals and just assumed that each one had a fist with had a them. fist yeah mm-hmm. this was actually where i i'd always kind of wondered how many were in a fist so this was actually helpful for me of course it's like right there in the text that's where you always find the answers mm-hmm. um so that was helpful what was it three fit was it five fists i think he said three to five yeah okay yeah that is terrifying yeah yeah that is terrifying but it's also kind of interesting that we get this little like mini 101 on water senses yeah. because I really am going to have to pay attention now to how it's done throughout the rest of the book mm-hmm. because I'm not sure how much it comes into play like in other situations when Trollocs and stuff are nearby mm-hmm. and or maybe that okay maybe I'm thinking of a different shadow spawn but I'll put this aside for now okay cool so, I'm, I'm i'm intrigued i'm intrigued yeah 
The group is sandwiched at this point. There are Trollocs in front and behind them, and Lan knows a place where they might go to be safe, but this greatly displeases Moraine. Mm-hmm. The horns are too close now, and Lan pushes his cloak back, draws his sword, all while riding hard. And Lan tells the group, keep together, and then all <laughs> hell breaks loose below. <laughs> So they're kind of up on a hill, and then down below there are trollocs with catch poles. Yep. And if you don't know what a catch pole is, it's like what old, you know, like somebody that was like a dog catcher. Yeah. It's like a rope yep. on a pole that you would hook around someone's neck. It's all, it's almost or, noose-like because it can yeah. go over the head and then tighten around the neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrifying. Again, I'm using the same word and I don't care, but the idea of that happening is terrifying that sounds and it's terrible. interesting too that they're using catch poles and not weapons it so, is it is and it isn't considering the fade had said that Rand belongs well, to the dark one so they want that's what to i was gonna say oh <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting it's because, just because we just we learned share i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> I'm gonna... but it's no it's <laughs> but it's cool because I mean Trollocs are also kind of big idiots it's and true. it's just the fade that's kind of moving them around and making them do what they do. So the fade that we see has his Thakandar blade and he rides towards land. And this answers my question of do we see Merdral or Fades on horseback again? Yeah. So here it is. Here it is. And Lan yells, for the seven towers. And Rand yells, Manetherin, <laughs> Manetherin. And then Perrin's like, yeah, Manetherin. <laughs> and then Matt just yells some gibberish in a language that nobody knows. Mm-hmm. And next we get this kind of epic mini battle. And again, I love the descriptions that Robert Jordan gives us. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of descriptive words about Lan and his clanging swords with the fade, mm-hmm. and the air is described as flashing, and the air is peeling. Mm-hmm. And for me, this part really, it was really visceral, like how I saw it in my head because Rand's horse is lashing out mm-hmm. at the trollic, but Rand is kind of just forcing it forward. Mm-hmm. And you know how we were told that Cloud is already, he's a fast horse, mm-hmm. but he's kind of a dangerous horse. Mm-hmm. And he's not like a warder's horse Mm-mm. either. He's not well-trained. Mm-mm. And I can just see this horse like snapping and mm-hmm. kicking and biting and just thrashing. Mm-hmm. And Rand just holding on for dear life. Mm-hmm. And, and then, swinging around a sword at the same time. Yes. Like, he swings the sword like hewing wood, ugh. like chopping undergrowth. Right? And this is a simile that happens again later on. Mm-hmm. So the brambles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Robert Jordan really liked his wood chopping <laughs> metaphors or similes. <laughs> um, it's a good one. Yeah. You get it. So I also really like how it's described that Moraine's face was Mm -hmm. as hard as Mm -hmm. Land's because we know that he's like the stony faced warrior. Mm -hmm. And we also have Nynaeve and Egwene holding on to their belt knives, which Mm -hmm. is from the quote that we read at the beginning. And I think this is really, it says a lot about 
naive and equine that if they were close enough to a trollic where they could actually use their belt knives on it, they would be dead already. Mm-hmm. But but they ha- they, they have are it there not anyway. Yeah, they are not backing down. Hell no. And it's why we love these women. Indeed. So Rand hacks at one of the Trollocs' catch poles and cuts it right in half. Mm-hmm. He's holding on to his horse desperately, but then a hook has him, I think, from behind. Mm-hmm. And at this time, Perrin is wrestling with the Trolloc. Mm-hmm. Then we have this moment of pure just mayhem mm-hmm. and all of the Trollocs start howling and writhing on the ground, kind of like they've been caught on fire. And it's becomes apparent that La- Lan has killed one of the Murdral and yells for them all to ride. Mm-hmm. We get kind of a lesson with Tom on how the Fade and Trolloc dynamic works, that yeah. when one of the Murdral, when the when the Murdral is killed, all of the Trollocs that it commands go down with it, mm-hmm. but it takes them like a day to stop squirming around mm-hmm. and, and riding around mm-hmm. and die. That would suck. Can you imagine just coming up upon like 500 <laughs> squirming, <laughs> you know, trollics that won't die? It's awful. The image of it is fantastic. But Isn't that again, gross? What happens to their bodies afterwards? That's a lot of trollic corpses. Like what's going to... Gross. Right? Like, people are going to see that unless it is the we- Dark One has his own, like, <laughs> cleaners. <Cleanup crew? laughs> yeah. He sends them through gateways. <laughs> right. Here, go, go clean this up. Bye-bye. Make a huge pyre. Just make sure mm-hmm. no one sees this. I just, I can't, I can't be this picky with details. But at the same time, <laughs> what happens? Okay, yeah, go ahead. True. So the horns start blasting again, but this time they are surrounded on all sides and completely circled. Mm-hmm. Land doubles his pace. Um, Rand thinks to himself that they were riding hard before, but now they've seemed to be going even faster than they were previously. Mm-hmm. And when they reach another hilltop, it is black covered with Trollocs, and this time there are three Murdral, Mm -hmm. or Fades, or whatever you want to call them. Then Moraine removes her Angreal, and again, I'm obsessed with this description (laughs) of her holding her ground. So she gets off Aldeeb and firmly sets her feet, raises her staff, and then plunges it into the ground. It's described as a ringing noise, and... The ring turns into a low rumble (laughs) until the earth is described as moaning and Mm -hmm. shaking. And everyone is almost tossed from their horses. The ground ripples and turns to something kind of in between an earthquake and a landslide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So she takes out... Yeah, she takes out many of the Trollocs, but the Murdral are unfazed. Yep. So she shoots flames 20 <laughs> feet high and creates a wall of fire. Immediately <laughs> afterwards, she loses all of her strength, and as she falls, mm. Lan gently catches her. This is another one of those kind of nice moments of affection between Lan and Moraine. Mm-hmm. The group rides off, but Moraine can barely stand or sit upright on her horse mm-hmm. because she is so weak from all of the channeling Mm -hmm. and Nynaeve finally is able to feed her (laughs) some herbs take this packet of of herbs damn it yeah and she steadies her with a hand which Mm -hmm. I I can see 
naive kind of feeling smug about like, well, I'll show this stupid Aes Sedai that I know how to heal and yep. I'm a great healer and I am worth something. Damn it. She doesn't know everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but I can also see like her like holding her gently kind of with the hands yep. trying to help her stay on the horse. And I'm just like, naive, my heart. I love you. She's such a so, she's such a dual person and such a yes, like yes. You have to dig a little deeper with her, and that's one of the things that mm-hmm. I really like about Nynaeve. Yep, healer's gonna heal. So true. <laughs> so Lan stops and starts arguing with Moraine. Mm. Egwene wants to know what Round Rand was shouting about, but he's kind of embarrassed of his war cry. And mm-hmm. Perrin says they have a right to shout because of what has happened to them. Mm-hmm. And Matt's like, guys, I don't even know what I said. <laughs> and Egwene is like, well, I think I understood you, but now I don't remember anymore. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of one of these weird dropped plot lines with Egwene understanding, mm-hmm. but then it never comes back up again. I think it might come up later in small places where she has like kind of the same moment where she thinks she understands it, but she doesn't fully grasp it. But I don't. Well, no, I thought that sure. there was going to be like a big reveal about it. Okay. And mm-hmm. It just n- never really comes. Mm-hmm. But Moraine repeats what Matt said and describes that it was the ancient war cry of Menethrin mm-hmm. about the rose of the sun. Mm-hmm. And this is, of course, queen to Menethrin, whose husband was her warder and also was was the final ending point mm-hmm. of Menethrin if this is something that you want to know more about the first half of our Menethrin episode is spoiler free mm-hmm. so if you are reading along with us you can go back and listen to that mm-hmm. and we will sum that up but despite you know being almost put in a cook pot mm-hmm. uh, god why do I do this every time I can't speak you're totally fine you're totally fine yeah this Despite being almost put in a cook pot, Egwene is smiling again. Strange flex, but okay. Um, maybe this is just her coping mechaniz- mechanism. You know what? Like, you know what? I actually, some people laugh really inappropriately. That's me. So. 110% I laugh at the worst moments. Like I have had people stop dead and look at me when I have laughed at the wrong moment. I'm like, I'm sorry. This is what I do when I'm uncomfortable. I just laugh at inappropriate moments. Yeah. So, like, I've, I've kind of been wondering the same thing about a queen. Like, maybe this is how she reacts. Like, I don't know. Her just... her adrenaline takes over and she feels a little crazy and manic and her face just goes up in, like, a weird, oh, my God, is don't, this real? But I don't picture her as a manic person no, at all. Like, no. her mind is always 100% made up and she knows exactly what she wants. Yeah. And I feel like she's always got it so... She's always so put together. Agreed. Like, yeah. So I don't know what that's all about. Me neither. I I almost just wonder if Robert Jordan was like, I have no idea how sixteen year old girls are. Like, <laughs> yay! I'm a, I I almost died, but I'm alive now. So <laughs> yeah. Um. Does anyone want to go to Claire's? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and I'm not saying that he writes young women Mm-mm. badly. But he definitely I've I've heard people say that sometimes these younger characters can almost feel like a caricature or a little bit over the top. Mm-hmm. And agreed. Yeah, like this is fantasy and it not everything 
not everything always has to be perfect. Yep. And I really love his female character, so I'm not trying to talk shit about it. No. Just to it's clear just that a, up. It's just an observation. <laughs> it's a fair observation. It's one that I feel the same way about. Okay. Yeah. So, good. <laughs> We're on the same so, page here. Yeah. Moraine <laughs> is... Oh, okay. So, again, there is another sounding of horns. Yep. And... Moraine is hesitant, but the group kind of crowds together and uses some Aes Sedai invisibility shield where Moraine <laughs> kind of swings her... Her big wooden staff, right? Yeah, she swings her staff kind of in a circle above all of them while they ride. And then it sends like this whirlwind, dirt devil type tornado off in another direction in an attempt to trick the fades, mm-hmm. like if their horses are riding really hard, it would show like dust on the path. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I think she says she, something about how it like sends their scent that way too, because yeah. Trollocs travel by scent. Moraine is again very, very weak mm-hmm. from all of her channeling, and Nynaeve is very concerned as Moraine is kind of swaying in her saddle. Mm-hmm. And they reach a strange spire that looks like a cliff, and it is revealed that it is actually a city, and Rand thinks it is 50 times bigger than Barillon, mm-hmm. but there are no people in the city, and the walls look like they're collapsing. Yeah. And Moraine explains that this is Arid Hall, and it was an ally of Minethrin, but after it died, it became known as something else, mm-hmm. Shatter Lugoth. And... The Fades realize now that there's a false trail, and we leave the chapter there. That's that. And that's that. I'm going to run downstairs and get my cigarettes, and you want to call me? Of course I do. Of course I do. Give me a moment. Where were we? Spoilers. Spoilers and more. Strangers and friends. Strangers and friends. So... It's pretty obvious that Rand isn't doing so well in this section. Like, he's got a headache. His head feels tight as a drum and as empty. Like, he's just like, this is not this is not fun for him. But Perrin is also not feeling well. His head aches. He's really upset. He had the nightmare. And I feel almost like he's a bit of a red herring in this moment and I feel as though they get kind of pulled across the storylines in these chapters in particular there are a couple other places where it's like maybe you're the one that the dark one is looking for yeah I guess but to me like it's not described right away about Mm -hmm. the sickness of channeling Mm -hmm. we didn't get that description yet from Moraine Moraine did we I don't think so because when I first read this Mm -hmm. I didn't even put it together when Rand was channeling about like on the verge of channeling with the Mm -hmm. whole white cloak incident Mm -hmm. and Matt so I wasn't like oh he can channel he's the one Mm -hmm. I was like oh he's the one that our story like opened with he's Mm -hmm. the one Mm -hmm. you know okay yeah I can see that but I think, like you said, there's all of these red herrings now because Matt's yelling in the old tongue and yep, exactly. that's the next one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's those are the, the two big ones that I think that get kind of 
pulled through here mm-hmm. so that we kind of question whether yeah. or not the person we think is the one actually is the one. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I think it's done well enough, but I don't think it it pulls hard enough to think that it's not Rand. Do you know what I mean? So right. If we yeah. would have, if if the story would have opened up on Egwene and her life in the inn, mm-hmm. or Nynaeve, and somewhere other than Rand and Tam, mm-hmm. I think I would have been a lot more question. Like I've, I would have questioned more who the Dark One was after. But yes. I, I kind of yeah. feel like we're just plopped right in into this story. And it's like, oh, it's clearly this tall redhead. <laughs> like, <laughs> Who doesn't belong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I agree with you. So it's pretty it's pretty obvious at this point that there really is some real bad shit that's hunting them all down. But they aren't sure why. Mm-hmm. If it's all of them or only one of them. And this, like... Perrin's behavior in this with all I can think of is with his arm like slung over his eyes and like dramatic 1930s actress like oh just do you know what I mean like in German they have a word called like (laughs) man flu and it's just it's, it's just talking about how men like when men get sick they're like oh I'm so terrible feeling it's so awful yes and yeah. it's kind of, I mean, it's supposed to be a joke, but I kind of see Perrin in this moment. Like, he had a bad dream, and it's been a really long journey for them. They're mm-hmm. not happy, and he's just like, why me? Why? Yeah. This sucks. He's Rightfully kind of so, it does suck. But <laughs> Agreed, but he's definitely kind of wallowing in it, and Rand's, like, trying to pull him out, and it doesn't work, and whatever. But it also, in this moment, I feel prepares us for the ray of sunshine Perrin will be throughout the series. So, <laughs> yeah, he's really, like, he's just so, oh, Perrin, I want to like you more than I do. <laughs> well, I also, I mean, something that I put in my notes mm-hmm. is when Nynaeve shows up to the stag and lion Egwene is literally hiding behind him. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking like, you know what? Poor Perrin, because this is probably have, has been his whole life. Like mm-hmm. he's bigger than everyone else. People hide behind him. He has mm-hmm. to be really careful and delicate around everyone because he doesn't want to hurt anyone. And On just accident. like, yeah, like just with when Padan Fane shows up and there's a big crowd and he's trying to make his way through the crowd and he's, you know, like, excuse me, pardon me, sorry. Yeah, coming yeah, through, yeah. You know, <laughs> and he's he's really young. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, these are the times when kids are picked on, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It's just they're exceptionally hormonal and yes. indecisive, <laughs> and on the they are on the brink of becoming what they will be become. You yes, know? like that's, absolutely. That 16, 18 range can be so defining of what your character can mm-hmm. become later on. So, And they're really going through some stuff right now, some heavy yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's intense. I feel for all of them, but other times I just want to be like, what the, what the fuck is yes. wrong with you? Stop <laughs> yes, that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Damn it, guys. 
uh, when Min is relating what she has heard about Two Rivers folk and what she has seen Rand and his friends, she says, but the stone isn't buried very deep in you or in your friends. It's as if a storm has scoured away almost all the covering. And I feel like this links right back to what we were talking about, where this is where they are on the verge of becoming what they are about to become. Yes. And I feel this is just the beginning of a storm that has been building for centuries. And the need for all of the two rivers to be as it is, is actually one of those saving graces for Rand and really for everyone involved. Like... Nynaeve, Perrin, Rand, Matt, Egwene, all five of them, who Mm -hmm. they are, where they come from, really is this foundation. It's set right here, and I really Mm -hmm. like that. I really appreciate it. I keep thinking about Min's relationship later on with Tuan and how Tuan's basically going to scoop up Min and in some ways revere what she can do, but also kidnap her? Is it not, like... a a touch close to enslavement i mean i don't really feel like men has the ability to walk away from her and uh -uh. she doesn't have any free choice yeah tuan is awful she's probably one of my least favorite characters i can't stand her so i really don't like her with matt in the end i don't don't. either i don't like i i I could make a list of the characters. We should do that. We should have a an episode that's all of the characters that we think would make a better match for Matt <laughs> yes. than Tuan. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Literally anyone. Yeah. Literally anyone. Mm-hmm. Name anyone. someone. Yes. Linny. Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. Age is only a number. That's right. But she knows all kinds of things, dear right? Linny. You never know. I'm with I'm with you on too. And I'm not a huge fan. I love the idea of love at first sight, but I also don't know how I feel about Min basically being told in this moment who she's going to fall in love with, mm. and that she doesn't really have a choice in the matter. And she mentions later on that like Rand is not the kind of guy she ever goes for, and I don't doubt that she does fall in love with him. But it also just feels like the pattern's like here. This is the man you're going to fall in love with. Yes, and she even. She even says, because she knows that she's going to have to share Rand with two other women. And I'm really looking forward to how the TV show does this because it's not going to be like this. Hands down. You don't it's think not, so? No, he said it's not going to be. Okay, tell me, tell me. He, well, he said it's going to be more of like a polyamorous relationship and not just hmm. like Rand having feelings for these women and then they kind of aren't able to pursue anything else you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. they kind of feel like they're I don't know it's a really one-sided relationship kind of yes yeah where I kind of like he gets he gets to have three women and they just get to have one man right like they have to share him yeah yeah and as much as I learn about men going forward through the season she doesn't seem like the type of woman to be okay with that and right Mm. here this part that you're pulling from she doesn't seem okay with it but she Mm -hmm. like begrudgingly has to go along with it Mm -hmm. and I kind of feel like at this point there's really no reason why she couldn't say like no Mm -hmm. because the pattern is telling her to like Mm -hmm. she still has free will does she not that's kind of what I was wondering too like 
Because she even says to him, as for dreams, maybe it's your idea of a dream, but I never thought it was mine. And I still remember feeling really shocked when I found out that Rand was going to have like three, three wives, different, like, yeah. yeah, like three different love interests, like, and it was going to be okay. You know, right. but I was very young when I what? first started reading the books. I didn't even think about like what that yeah. kind of relationship could be like. And the situation with Elaine and Avienda, I feel like is a little bit different because mm-hmm. they have already committed to their first sister relationship. And yeah. that's kind of like giving them their consent with saying we're okay with two women, one mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. But Poor Min doesn't really get that option. Mm-mm. No, she almost feels like the outsider. Yeah. You know, and I feel as though there's like regret of that being the case spoken by both Min and um, Avienda that they aren't closer. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know. I, I like the idea of it being explored in a different way. So I'm excited to hear what you've mentioned because I think I don't know. I think it's a good idea to explore various forms of relationships in mass media content. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I don't think it can be as impactful if Mm. the story is left in the same way that it is in the Mm -hmm. books now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like it makes you question men. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a strong woman and she will take what she wants. And she wears pants, for God's sake. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, this is, she's. Yeah, she's iconic, and mm-hmm. she doesn't seem like the type of person that would just be like, that would just conform to the situation because she saw a vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's at this point it's just she's dealt with having this talent for so long that she knows whatever happens is going to happen, and maybe she's just learned there's no point in fighting it. Right. So maybe then she just starts looking for things that she might like about Rand. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, yeah. And I think, too, there there is something something to say about the relationship that they they really care for each other a lot. This isn't just so. oh, it's not one sided, but it's also not fair to men that she had no choice in him being in a relationship with two other two women other it's like women. it's like okay the world will end if you don't love this man mm-hmm. like what do you do i mean no idea. i don't know i don't know it's 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 one of those things where i feel like we could dedicate an entire episode mm-hmm. to it and maybe we should at some point it yeah. just it doesn't really bother me in the same way that it did when i was younger but i also feel exactly what you're saying that it shouldn't be as one-sided as it is in the books um i mean they can I, they they can keep it this way i i don't have a big problem with how the books are but i'm just saying like if they can change it and make it they can give like us a men it. yeah yeah if they can give us a men who i don't really know how to put this but just make things she, she's a strong female character and i think that she deserves not kind of being cast on the outside i guess yeah i agree with you she does become like a mini philosopher mm-hmm. <laughs> a mini philosopher <laughs> <laughs> that was unintentional 
I'm I'm kind of wondering with some of her foretellings, I think some of them may not have happened later on. She says she sees trees flowering around Perrin, but I think mm. it's later on Rand who has like when he's walking down from Dragon oh. Mountain, the trees flower around him. But she I, I saw that as when Perrin's family dies, um, Loyal sings oh. to the cher- the cherry blossom trees. I think you might be right. Okay, okay. That that makes sense, because I was trying to find a point in there where that had happened. But no, but I, I totally see what you're saying, because it's, it first looked like, yeah, that that's Rand, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, not Perrin. And I think, like, there was something about, like, a laughing man for uh, Matt. Well, well, you know what? These books were supposed to be a lot shorter. It's true. And maybe, maybe things got changed with Perrin. Maybe something, mm-hmm. you know, maybe when these prophecies were written out, he had a clear a line of, vision. yeah, and mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows? That sometimes is what I think happens, it's especially in the first book. I feel like it's almost kind of like, I'm going to go with this, this, and this. And then as he writes further, his idea becomes a bit more refined and mm-hmm. we get a better a better aspect of what he's thinking of. At least I I feel like that's how it goes. Um, I've decided I don't like early Matt as much as I like Matt later on. He's just a bit of a jerk and kind of a mischief maker <laughs> and a tiny bit whiny. So as much as I think that Matt is a bit of a jerk here, I love him more and more as this series goes along. Mm-hmm. And in the last three books, he is one of my absolute favorites. Especially yeah. like the the Torakan moment where he's like on it and like standing and it, that image will never ever leave my head as like one of the best moments in the book. Like all of them. I hate it's it. So it's so over it. the top and ridiculous. I'm sad that you hate it. Why do you hate it? Is it because it's so ridiculous? It defies physics. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> No, I don't I don't know. It's just I I I sympathize for Brandon Sanderson having to pick up these books and trying to make these characters as authentic to Robert Jordan's writings and he's said on multiple occasions how hard it was for him to write Matt and I just feel like it just feels like something that was inserted because it was like funny and outrageous and it didn't really like, and that was it. <laughs> I don't I know. I loved it. I loved it for being so over the top. Hmm. That was what I liked about it. But I also, I also feel like it doesn't belong. Like there are so many other things that they could have done, I suppose. But... Like the moment where he's writing out this elaborate script and right? after Hinder's tap and then Varen shows up and they don't have to go through with it. And he's all like, well, gosh, darn it. I wrote this whole script and now I can't even use it. Mm-hmm. And like when that was going on, like I, I laughed wholeheartedly. I mm-hmm. was sitting in bed and cracking up. <laughs> and I mean, I think that there's moments like that where it's just, ugh, I love it. But the to- just because it feels, I don't know, it feels a little bit more not as zany, maybe. Mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, I think the last thing that I had for spoilers in this chapter is Rand on the verge of channeling in his interaction with the White Cloaks. And it says, the tingling filled Rand, the heat had grown to a fever. He wanted to laugh. It felt so good. 
and I don't, I really don't remember what I thought about this when I first read it. Like, I thought maybe he was just sick, possibly. Maybe I skipped over it and was like, yeah, something's happening to you, but I want to see what happens next. Like, it's almost like know. Egwene laughing when she's about to, like, die or whatever. Yeah, it's exactly. It's kind of the same thing. Like, okay, like, okay, these kids are my- maybe a little bit traumatized. I don't know. Possibly. Like- <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he just yeah. needed to let loose and have a good laugh. Yeah, it was just I was just like, hmm, okay, well, something's happening with you. But you're right, we aren't given any direct descriptions of like what to look for when it comes to a man who's channeling. And so we don't get I don't even think we learn about the side effects of Wilder's channeling yet mm-hmm. either. So we know like Wilder's usually don't survive. Mm-hmm because of these complications where they get sick afterwards. So, yeah. I mean, Rand is technically uh, the male Wilder right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Good point. Well, they all would have to be, wouldn't they? Yeah, That's except so for Egwene because she's been getting her lessons. Right? Very interesting. That's all I had for Chapter 15, though. Did you okay. have anything you wanted to add? No, no. Cool. So for Chapter 16, just mainly the implications of men's viewing of Nynaeve, you know, Mm -hmm. usually the sparks are around Rand and she says she met Mistress Alice coming in and there were sparks with just the two of them. Yesterday, I couldn't see sparks without at least three or four of you together, but today it's all sharper and more furious. And she looked at Rand's friends waiting impatiently and shivered before turning back to him. It's almost a wonder the inn doesn't catch fire. You're all in more danger than yesterday since she came. Mm. So some nice foreshadowing there about the fire, because after they are attacked by the Merdral, they all leave and the inn does catch fire. Mm -hmm. But also just what it means for Nynaeve as a part of this story, because Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't really think that Nynaeve and Rand have a nice, like, quiet, tender moment together until way, way later mm-hmm. into the books. Maybe Winter's Heart when Nynaeve... Is that when the cleansing... Yeah, that's the cleansing of Sidene, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm so that's sure when they're right. traveling together again. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's up until around there that they really interact a lot. Mm-hmm. Because we know they're all going to get split up soon. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting that we're given Nynaeve as being a part of this. And then she's not with Rand for such a long period of time, you know, however however long these books go before Mm -hmm. they meet back up. Oh, okay. I guess when it was after after Ravine, maybe? Doesn't she heal him? I think after Gabriel, I think after Gabriel, she heals him, but she's still like shook that she's like Mm -hmm. witnessing this young boy that she took care of as a baby like a powerful male channeler so it's it's still not a tender moment Mm -hmm. so it's kind of cool yeah because there's a definite trust that rand places in Nynaeve that never takes a hit you know right right she's one of the few people that can speak completely and totally openly to him and doesn't he choose her as like an advisor or something for himself like later in the books um i don't remember 
Well, he basically kind of because he's traveling around with Cad Swain and mm-hmm. Varen and Nynaeve is kind of just like his right hand woman. <laughs> <laughs> Where as far as he has all of these Aes Sedai kind of like pulling at him, mm-hmm. Nynaeve is just kind of there because he wants her to be there and he trusts mm-hmm. her. But the other Aes Sedai, he's like, no, you're you're here because you want something out of me. But mm-hmm. with Nynaeve, she's never she's never asked for anything. She's never mm-hmm. tried to pull me in a certain way, even even how Moraine has. So it's mm-hmm. a good but, point. But this just I mean, it just goes to show how tight of a relationship they have, especially when he's, you know, confiding in her about Tam's fever dream and maybe not mm-hmm. being his son. And she kind of is just like. They're there, you know. <laughs> but I, I just, I love Nynaeve, so I mm-hmm. could talk for hours about her. Mm-hmm. But going forward, um, another thing about Nynaeve, Matt said he would rather have Nynaeve after him, or wait, I think, oh, he mm-hmm. said he would rather have the White Cloaks after him than Nynaeve. Was that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, she does not give a shit. (laughs) God. So, also, Lan and Nynaeve's kind of blossoming relationship starts here. And I think we saw flirting. Like, I think there was flirting there. I I think there was. We don't get her point of view just yet. So, now I kind of want to hunt out clues because Mm -hmm. she's blushing quite often around him. And she buries her face in a cup. Yeah, and later Lan says something that makes her toss her head angrily, (laughs) and I almost feel like she might have been offended that a man is hitting on her when he Mm. doesn't know what the customs of what being a wisdom entails. She's not allowed Mm. to ever marry. So Mm. did he say something that, like, offended her where she was like, how dare you kind of... Not that I can think of. Well, they... it says that he said something to her to make her toss her head angrily, but we as the reader never find out what he said. Mm, so it's like, okay. what did he say? Like, how did he offend her? I don't know. But I also really like that when she's meeting him in the inn, he's like, excuse me, like you tracked me, a warder? Yes. Oh, I love that. So it's kind of cool that this... I guess like this is their first meeting and we know where their relationship goes. Mm -hmm. He's basically not, he's meeting her and being like, you're impressive. Like you're an impressive woman. And it's more about like her skill and capability. It's not like Mm -hmm. you're beautiful. It's like, I'm stunned. Like you're a badass. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you followed my track, like he just can't believe it. Mm -hmm. He's totally knocked out of his socks, if that's right. the thing. His and I mean, socks, I'm sure. And for her, even if there is an attraction, she's a wisdom. She can't marry. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this this whole relationship, despite some people saying that Robert Jordan kind of just like throws people together, they meet and then they're like, and now they're in love. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I, I kind of feel like the Egwene Gawain relationship was a little bit like that, but she did have yeah. a sex dream about or he had a sex dream about her <laughs> and then they kind of and she was along for the ride yeah Is yeah that, what that was 
Mm-hmm. But I, yeah. I love this pairing with I do Lana too, Nynaeve. actually. I feel like... I feel like it's healing, which is a really appropriate sensation to have around their relationship. Well, she's the healer, and he exactly he's got he's, he's got the a lot king of baggage. Of the towers, yeah, he's know? got a lot of baggage. So it's kind of like foreshadowing that Robert Jordan would put the two together. <laughs> Definitely, I've, I've mentioned it before in the new Spring um, series that Mandragoran is actually mm-hmm. an like a root. I think, or an herb, and it's deadly, like poisonous, deadly. And the fact that Robert Jordan gave him that name and then mm-hmm. paired him with someone who uses herbs is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like that you found that. Yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Nynaeve also said that Matt's dad is afraid Matt will try his tricks with foreigners and get his head thumped in. And yeah, absolutely. He just did it with the white cloaks. Uh, He's going to do it a lot more. 100%. Even his (laughs) even his parents are like, oh, dear Lord, Nynaeve, you better go pick him up or he will die because he'll say the wrong thing to the wrong person. Yeah. So this is kind of just going back to what you said about Matt being ridiculous. He'll climb into the wrong window using his sling and splatter mud on the wrong people. Yes. Yeah, Matt, dear Matt. Yeah. It's really kind of hard to like him at this Mm -hmm. moment. You know, he's just kind of, he's just put all of them in danger by doing that. And he's not even in a place where he can be identified as the culprit, which I mean is good for him, but it Mm -hmm. definitely puts Rand in a bad spot. Well, how many many times do they, how many times does that put them all in danger? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Because they have that moment then, and then they have a moment later on by the gate. And then Bornhold is like this nasty shadow that just follows everyone everywhere mm-hmm. for like the entire series. It feels well, like. yeah, it's like Matt just painted a target on all of their backs, and mm-hmm. all of these problems going forward between Perrin and the White Cloaks. Maybe that would have been avoided if this run in never happened. So mm-hmm. thanks a lot, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> Way yeah. to go. I'm going to skip a little bit because we already talked about it. But cool. um, the, the last thing that I just wanted to say is how Nynaeve flat out lies to Moraine when she mm-hmm. asked which one of the boys wasn't born in the mm-hmm. two rivers. I kind of wonder if Nynaeve is what she's thinking about this. What is what she thinks is meant by this. Mm-hmm. And she's doing her best to keep him safe by not revealing the truth. Mm-hmm. But I also kind of like how she's okay with lying, like just <laughs> totally okay with it because in this situation, you know, she's chaotic good. Like, mm-hmm. right and wrong be damned. She will do what she needs to do to make sure that someone she cares about is safe. Yep, and protected. Yeah, and it also kind of comes back into play because Suan Sanche puts the three girls in charge of hunting down the Black Aja, knowing that they can, you know, they can lie. They're not, mm-hmm. um, they're not, they're not bound to the oath rod yet. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of like a cool little, I don't know, 
maybe foreshadowing, foreshadowing. I don't know <laughs> what it is, but I think it just made me think about like, it. Yeah, it's like keep it in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. This might be useful information later. And maybe Nynaeve is a bit more tricky than we think she is. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like I feel like the chaotic good is exactly right. Mm-hmm. You feel like even if she's going to lie, she's trustworthy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that's all I've got for 16. Perfect. I loved it. So then we're on to 17 Watchers and Hunters. I didn't really have a whole lot on this. When Rand joins the dancing and the girl across from him gives him a shy smile and then a wink that was not shy at all. (laughs) Yeah. Right? I definitely thought of Fail and how she's always like, when he wants to have an intimate moment with Perrin, she's like, you make me feel like a Saturday and farm girl or whatever it is that she says. She says weird things. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not just farm girls. Maybe it's maybe it's all girls. A little well, flirty. Or it's just Rand, like, not being from somewhere where, mm. like, do they not even get to pick who they're in relationships with? Like, don't their parents kind, kind of, of sort it out, like, and arrange yeah. marriages for them? So, mm-hmm. like, I feel like if any girl in the Two Rivers winked at a boy like that, their mothers <laughs> would beat them, you know? So with their braid. Yeah, they're just, <laughs> I, I just feel like these kids need to get out more often. So true. <laughs> So true. You have a point there. He is young and has no idea, and he is in a city. Mm-hmm. Um, not even a huge one at that. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, it's it's not really impressive. It's I mean, it's obvious in the way that Tom teases them that yeah. this is not a grand city. And Randy even mentions that there aren't palaces or anything around. So it's it's just the size of it that's impressive to him and how many mm-hmm. people that are there. Uh Maureen's display with the mask of mirrors. That's what it's called, right? When you do that, you like change your appearance. I don't remember. I really don't remember. I feel like I looked this up last night. Let me see if I can find it again real quick. Anyway, I thought we actually kind of talked about it earlier. So you know what? Fuck it. We don't have to talk about it. This is already (laughs) long enough. Because we already talked about that. Like, how did she step over the wall? Yeah. Yeah. So fuck it. Uh, how many times has the hunt for the horn and the heroes of the horn been mentioned in these first chapters? Does it get explained? Is there ever an in-depth look at each of the hunters in the books? Do we need to make a one-on-one? <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be something that might be interesting. I personally was pissed when I realized that Tom was telling Geidel Kane's story, like hmm. how he... I think his sword story. And I'm like, God damn it. I want to hear that. Like, I love Brigida. I want to know everything mm-hmm. I can about Geidel Kane. So I'm like, Robert Jordan, you're giving us a fucking page of music and dancing. But I, mm-hmm. I'm kind of here for this Geidel Kane story. So thanks for leaving <laughs> that out. Boo. Boo. Anyway, I just don't know, like, when the horn gets fully explained. Because it just feels, it feels like it does... Almost all the time where it's, you're supposed to know, you know, and there are so many hunters for the horn that well, are Well, we've and... only got till the next book to find out. So it's, it's coming it's up. It's true. We are a third away done with the book. So it's kind of crazy. I've, I've been reading it on my Kindle, but then I 
had failed to charge it and I had to actually pick up my book, Mm -hmm. which is fine. But then when I opened it and realized how far we were into it, I was like, oh my God. (laughs) I was like, we were absolutely flying through this book. It's crazy. But it's kind of fun too. Like I'm, it's, it's a comfortable enough pace that it doesn't feel like we're running through it, but it feels like we're making it through it at mm-hmm. a good pace. Um, the man that has the scar across his face, who is staring at Rand, all scar face dancing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Brand's Dark reaction. friend confirmed. <laughs> like this guy even looks like a dark friend should mm-hmm. look you know it's like ding 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 dark friends <laughs> Rand's just like maybe he's sad because of his scar maybe he can't smile because of his scar mm-hmm. so what i what i took away from that little moment is something that i feel is a seed care like seed part of Rand's character that mm-hmm. he would assume something along the lines of sympathy instead of yeah, something that's like malevolent in any way, you know. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, ah, and you poor also, sweet farm yeah, boy. It's it's sweet, but it's also like you're in a strange city, and some guy is staring you down <laughs> with scars. Like, yeah, Rand, maybe naive. maybe you should just give him a hug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, walk up and be like, I'm so sorry. Do you need a hug today? Yeah, okay. <laughs> you look like you've had a rough life. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Um, but I do, I do think it is an example of who Rand is and something to kind of remember about him because he is sometimes just really hard to life, like, at least for me. Um, and I think we already talked about how I feel about Matt, so I feel like we could probably just <laughs> okay. move on to chapter 18. I, we don't need to bring that up anymore. There are only a couple of things that stood out to me with chapter 17 and I counted another two instances where dogs barked so <laughs> I thought you know maybe I would count like braid tugs but here we are um, here you are with dogs barking <laughs> yeah um also I really like this comment from Lan and this was after the merrymaking and the dancing and he tells them he will tie them to a saddle if they are too tired to ride (laughs) and I'm like just thinking about what you said like we just need to have Maureen tie Matt up with a weave of air because these kids man they're just they are trouble they Mm -hmm. are trouble land tries to pay off the watchman so like they have so much money I'm just dumbfounded every time where do they keep Mm -hmm. it where do they keep all this money? I mean, right. coins are fucking heavy. I know it, man. This is like these poor horses. <laughs> poor Aldeeb. Um, okay. She's not as dainty as she looks. <laughs> so, uh-huh. chapter 18. When they all set off, the horns blow, and Lan says, We trust to the light and to luck. And again, this just reminded me of Land's luck in New Spring. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of found myself thinking, is Lan actually just lucky or has it just been Rand's Tavirin pull on him this whole time, keeping mm-hmm. him alive in these crazy situations? I think that's a good question. Survived the war. Mm-hmm. Hell, he didn't even have to fight in some circumstances. The Aiel just like walk by him and are like, hey, you. Um, 
he falls down that ya. yeah he falls down that flight of stairs. stairs in the Ida mm-hmm. Palace in New Spring and he's like dusting himself off like not like a I'm scratch fine. yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about that? Shrug that one off. Fine. But can you imagine like thinking your whole life that you just had this incredible luck and it turns out that it was just like you were being used a... by the pattern? <laughs> I, You know what? I feel mm. like that's always that's that is a big question in the series is is it choice? Is it luck? Is it the pattern? I feel like that's a. Yeah. Is, is it choice? Is it luck? Is Maybe this it's real the life? Maybe yeah. you're to be in. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, we've got that going on with Lan. And again, I love, 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 love the part about their war cries. Yeah. And um, Rand, after hearing Moraine's big, long spiel about the tale of Manethrin, and he mm-hmm. feels deep enough like within his heart of hearts to be like I'm gonna yell Manetherin yes and then he feels embarrassed about it but it's really interesting how Matt's war cry is kind of this curious thing because this is before he is taken by the Finn before Mm -hmm. he has any of these memories or before he should know anything about the old tongue Mm -hmm. why is he screaming in the old tongue like, mm. what's going on here? <laughs> we did talk about it in the Manetheran episode, but a lot of people think that Matt is either King Aemon reborn, or mm-hmm. some people just think like he's a descendant and he's from his line because Moraine says something of like how the old blood sings. Mm-hmm. But I also am kind of confused like how does she know that he actually has the old blood in him like because he could be the one that's not born from there right right well there's that and just i mean his family could have moved to the two rivers from saldea 500 mm-hmm. years ago like mm. you know what oh, I, I mean see what you're saying yeah like yeah so just because all of these people live in a place doesn't mean that they're family line dates back from there i mean hell like i think anyone that you know that takes like a dna test they're not a hundred percent something most of the exactly. time exactly <laughs> so yeah. i just wanted I to mean, be like moraine is there like some weave dna test that you have done <laughs> or are you just being poetic you know hmm. i don't know i don't know i hadn't really thought about that but I mean, after 3,000 years, I'm sure like some lines died out. Yeah. It, or just, I well, mean. Well, the Nethern doesn't go back 3,000 years, does it? Yeah, I think so. Because it was built after, right after the breaking, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, it is. Yeah. Every possibility that it wasn't, I don't know. I don't know either. And what is, what is it about Manethrin? that their bloodline is so much more powerful than others. Like, why don't yeah. people from Malkier have some crazy special abilities? Why, Maybe you they know? do. Maybe they do. Well, we, we just don't know about it. Maybe. Maybe. But bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't love the whole, like, descendants from greatness trope. 
it works really well here, but it also gives us many, many questions about like, why does Matt know this, this thing? Mm -hmm. Why is he saying this? But I really love how the theories are on this. And I really think that that's cool that maybe he's Eamon reborn. Maybe Mm -hmm. he's a descendant from him. And yeah, because how else would he be screaming this crazy stuff if he doesn't know the language? Yeah, and how would Egwene be understanding it? Right? If there there weren't some sort of connection to a much older bloodline, you know? Mm -hmm. And Rand doesn't hear it. Perrin yeah. doesn't hear it, so... Well, it Rand isn't like... from Manetherin, so... Yeah. <laughs> but maybe Parent isn't either, because he yeah. doesn't understand it. So it's another yeah. little thing that, like, pulls you into being, like, who is what, what's going to be right. important. It's like, kind it's of... Just a... It's a touch, a touch inconsistent, mm-hmm. but but this is, I think, I've we, we said this last week, like, beta version maybe yeah. like yes. he hadn't fleshed yes. everything out all the way yep. and we were happy to be your test audience yes <laughs> <laughs> but that's as much as we may pick on certain things mm-hmm. i love this book so much so so much so yeah i do too and that's mm-hmm. all i have for 18 so uh the only thing that i wanted to add to this was Matt's reaction to being in a not Matt Rand Rand's reaction I've done that like five times Rand's reaction to being in a battle and how he really didn't remember most of it that it was hot during the battle and I have to think this goes back to a personal experience for Robert mm. Jordan if he I mean I believe he fought yeah in he the was Vietnam in more yeah so I mean it, it feels different to think about the author having a similar personal experience when it is something that is so life-threatening. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just even the descriptions of the horses, mm-hmm. like what that what that looks like as things mm-hmm. are going down is almost as scary as what you know you're seeing from Rand's point of view Mm -hmm. because I don't know like you just think of how chaotic things are and you just get these little flashes Mm -hmm. of these moments and this whole scene probably took a minute or two that Lan is fighting this fade but Mm -hmm. it's like time kind of coming flows like cool cool honey honey. yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely yeah it's really it's i think it's good to remember i i hold on to this because of what you said about wanting to hold on to the fear factor Mm -hmm. of what's happening how dark it really is the world that they live in the illusion of safety is completely shattered and Matt laying down to try to sleep and saying, I thought we were safe. But then mm-hmm. within hours, they're running for their lives and they're about to enter a city that Trollocs and Murdral's fear to enter. And it's going to be... Yes, I'm excited for yeah, next... Yeah, me oh, too. not next week, but two weeks. Oh yeah, not next week. Next week we're doing the Creatures episode. The but creature yeah, I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's all that I had for... <laughs> 
we'll call it that the creature feature i like it but yeah i don't really have anything else i think we're okay we're done and we'll leave it there then yeah let's wrap this up thanks so much for joining us we will continue to release new episodes every wednesday we would love if you would subscribe to the podcast leave us reviews and share us with your friends in the wheel of time community let us know what you thought of our content correct us send us things we may have missed You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.